Thanks for joining us today at Launch Point Church in Lebanon, Tennessee. We believe the Bible is the written word of God without error and useful for every part of our lives. We believe that through learning and teaching of the word, others might come to know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. Thanks again and enjoy today's message from Pastor Jim Kubik. All right, well, good morning. I joined Pastor Jim in making you welcome. Well, it wasn't real funny, but it was kind of funny. All right. All right, looking good. I, again, I apologize if any of you had to wait, but we were handling the Lord's business up in here. So maybe the next service will have to wait too. I don't know. We'll wait and see. Um, I want to talk to you today very pointedly, and I'm going to be very pointed today, uh, more pointed than I usually am. Uh, Because I want you to listen to what I have to say, and I don't want to convolute it with too many words. Because I have a tendency to do that, as I'm doing now. I want to talk to you about being under the influence. Specifically under the influence of the Holy Spirit. What and why we should be, what, what, what being under the influence looks like, and why we should strive towards being under that influence. When you guys hear me say or hear anybody say under the influence, your, your mind immediately goes to one thing, right? And that's drinking. And, and rightfully so, especially in the world that we live in. Uh, but we're called to be under a different kind of influence. But it's an influence that creates the same kind of thing in us that alcohol creates in uh, so many others. Let me explain what I'm talking about. And... Proverbs 23, we read this. The writer of Proverbs, Solomon, writes six questions. Starting in verse 29, he says, Who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has contention? Who has complaining? Who has wounds without cause? Who has redness of eyes? And then he answers that question very quickly. Those who linger over wine. Those who go to taste mixed wine. Do not look on the wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup, when it goes down smoothly. At the last, it bites like a serpent and stings like a viper. Y'all know what I's talking about, right? Uh, well, probably not in here because nobody in here has ever drank before. Uh, your eyes will see strange things and your mind will utter perverse things. And you will take and you will be like one who lies down in the middle of the sea or like one who lies down on the top of a mast. They strike me, but I do not become ill. They beat me, but I do not know it. That's because I'm, I'm desensitized because of the alcohol. When shall I awake? I will seek another drink. That's what it is when we say under the influence. That's what under the influence means to the world, largely. But we've been called to be under a different kind of influence. Isaiah said that the influence of strong drink inflames us. In Isaiah 5.11, he says, Woe to those who rise early in the morning, that they may pursue strong drink, who stay up late in the evening, that wine may inflame them. So wine inflames us. It intensifies our passions. Our being under the influence should be under the influence of God by the power of His Holy Spirit. And it should do the same to us. 
it should inflame our passion. The power of the Holy Spirit in us should cause us to do the things we wouldn't normally do or say the things we wouldn't normally say. You ever been around somebody when they're drinking, they're always saying something crazy they wouldn't normally say or acting some kind of way they wouldn't normally act? When we're under the influence of the Holy Spirit for the positive, we should be doing the same thing. We should act like we wouldn't otherwise act and do and say the things we wouldn't otherwise do or say. For the glory of God, we are called to give God glory in all that we do. We do that. We're capable of that while we are under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And under the influence of the Holy Spirit, we manifest the presence of God. Let me explain to you the difference between omnipresence and manifest presence. Omnipresence means that God is everywhere. In all times, all places, he's not bound by time. He's not bound by geography. He is literally everywhere all at the same time. He's in your past right now. He's in your future right now. He's in your present right now. He's in your this space right now. He's in this city right now, this world, this solar system, this universe. He's everywhere all the time. Amen? That's the omnipresence of God. The manifest presence of God is different. The manifest presence of God is the display of the omnipresence of God. We should strive for the manifest presence of God. The people of God, under the influence of the Holy Spirit, should literally be able to walk in the manifestations of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is placed inside of us. Being under the influence means that we put God on display. Were you, were you display anything other than God if the Holy Spirit of God lives in you? That means that you are not under the influence of that which should, being, should be inflaming your passion. In fact, you're under the influence of something that has caused you to live unrighteously or diminish the glory of God in your own life. Let me explain. I don't want anybody to get sideways theologically. You can't diminish the glory of God, but you can diminish the glory of God in the eyes of someone else based on the way that you act and display him. Our responsibility is to display him properly. What I want to talk to you today is about our responsibility to live under the influence, how we live under the influence, so that we might manifest the presence, the omnipresence of God. Because I don't know about y'all, but I need the manifest presence of God. I need God on display in my life. I need God on display in me, in my culture, in our government. We need the display of God in every situation, the manifest presence of God. And that happens as we sit in the influence of the Holy Spirit, under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And specifically, I want to talk about three things that the influence of the Holy Spirit provides for us so that we can then put God on display. My whole thesis today is that we be a church that displays the manifest presence of God, which is possible because God has placed His Spirit in us. I can't say this enough. I feel like I say it a lot. But if we could ever grab a hold of the idea that God, the creator of all things, the omnipotent, the omniscient, the omnipresent, which means he's most powerful, most knowing, 
and everywhere, all at the same time. The transcendent God, the God that is above all things, has determined to love you enough to save you, and in saving you, place his spirit in you so that you can glorify him and live righteously. That ought to blow our mind that the creator of the universe determined to live so intimately with us that he didn't decide to just hang out next to us. He decided that he wanted to live in us. Man, praise God, that's so good. And if that doesn't drive us to want to live under his influence so that he might be manifested to a lost and dying world, I don't know what could possibly do it for you. But there's three things I want to talk about. And this is going to be a topical teaching. Normally, I take a block of Scripture and I, I dissect them, but I'm trying to show you some specifics, so I'm going to be more topical teaching today. But the first thing I want to tell you, that being under the influence of the Holy Spirit produces holiness. You know, you can't display the holy God if you don't walk in holiness. If you don't allow yourself to be under the influence of the Spirit of God, you can't walk in holiness because our holiness, our Christ-likeness, you might hear me use three different words, holiness, Christ-likeness, and sanctification. For the purposes of this teaching, they all mean the same thing. For holiness is to be perfect, to be Christ-like is to move towards Christ-likeness, which is perfect, and sanctification is to be set aside for the purpose of holiness. Amen? But I'm just going to keep it simple and say Christ-likeness because that's a little less, it's not as big a word, people understand it a little better. So we acquire holiness by being under the influence of the Holy Spirit. This Christ-likeness we get by the influence of the Holy Spirit. All of us were dead. There was a time when we were dead to our sins, according to the Word of God, that you had no understanding that you were a sinner. This is the truth of the Word of God, that none are righteous. No, not one. None of us, all of us, dead in our sin, dead in our trespasses, according to Ephesians 2.2 2, or 2.1. That's what the Bible says. It's the reason why I don't take a lot of time to kick people that are sinners that don't know Jesus. There ain't no sense in yelling at somebody that doesn't know Jesus. The only thing you're called to do is love them. You know why? Because they don't know the state and the condition that they're in. And until the Holy Spirit influences them, are they able to acquire the information, the knowledge, the revelation necessary to understand that there is something better out there and that something better is Christ Jesus? We acquire Christ-likeness by being under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Amen? If you're a believer, this has already happened for you. This process has already happened for you. And if you're not a believer, my prayer is that the Holy Spirit begin to turn the soil of your heart so when the seed's planted in it, you have nothing else you can possibly do but succumb to it. Fall down on your face and understand that the glory and magnificence of God is bigger and greater than anything you could ever manage on your own and that He loves you enough to have given it to you. We acquire holiness by being under the influence, but you know what? We maintain holiness by the influence of the Holy Spirit too. Our responsibility, we just went through an Ephesians 4 series where I talked about how we have to take off the old self and put on the new self. That we do this by the power of the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, 12, and 14 says, So then, brethren, we are under obligation. Everybody say obligation. You know what that means? That means you're obliged. You're responsible to do it. It's not an option for you. You're under obligation. Not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh, for if you are living according to the flesh, you must die, because to be in the flesh is to bring death. 
But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the flesh, you will live. So as we take off the old self, put on the new self, we will live. For all who have been led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. By the Spirit, led by the Spirit, is to say those under the influence of the Holy Spirit will live and can be called the sons of God. We maintain this by the Holy Spirit, not by our own power, not by our own strength. Zechariah 4, 6 says, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit. There's nothing you can do to save yourself. There's nothing you can do to stay Christ-like. Christ has to work in you, through you, by the power of the Holy Spirit to perfect you or to move you towards perfection, to make you more and more Christ-like. This is the responsibility of the Holy Spirit, to glorify Jesus so that we can see what Jesus looks like, so that we not only show ourselves or walk in who Jesus is, but show who Jesus is to other people. But we can't do it in our own strength. I, mean, I would say I could prove this to you, but I don't have to prove it to you. I just ask you to look back in your past and ask yourself, when was the, when was the last time I tried to discipline myself out of a sin? And then ask yourself, did that work out for you? The answer to that question is no. You become increasingly more Christ-like as you submit to the influence of the Holy Spirit. So that the Spirit might, so that God might be manifested in you. So that God in that manifestation might be seen by others through you. I praise God that we serve a God that has decided to use us to put Him on display to other people. The church should desire this above all things. He gave us His Holy Spirit in the acquiring of Christ likeness. He continues by the power of his Holy Spirit to maintain us in Christ-likeness so that we may be more and more like Christ. We should be more and more like Christ every single day. If you're not more and more like Christ than you were five years ago, you need to do some self-evaluation. I'm not going to go as far as to say you weren't saved, but I am going to tell you, say, man, you need to filter your life through the Word of God and ask yourself, why do I look the same way I looked five years ago? And the answer to that question is because you haven't read the Word of God. You haven't been in intimate conversation and prayer with, the, with God. You haven't been in fellowship with other believers. One of those things is the reason why you are where you are. Stagnancy never happens intentionally. It always happens when we're not paying attention. All right. I said I was going to be pointed today. We maintain holiness. But not only does it create holiness, Christ-likeness in us, but being under the influence produces empowerment. Remember, what's the whole point? I'm talking about influencing, being under the influence of the Holy Spirit for the purposes of manifesting the presence of God wherever we are. I want this church, I want every church, the Big C Church, to manifest the presence of God wherever they go. We can't do that without the Holy Spirit in our life. So being under the influence not only creates Christ-likeness in us and perfects that Christ-likeness, but it also empowers us. Now, Pentecostals in the room, give me a shout because we like that power. Amen? Give me the power, Pastor Jim. Let me tell you where the power is. The power is first, you've been given power by the Holy Spirit to serve the body of Christ. 
I'm going to let this come down as heavy on you as the Holy Spirit needs it to come down on you. God didn't save you to sit down. The Bible says this, 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 7. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. Varieties of ministries, the same Lord. Varieties of effects, the same God who works things in all persons. That means all persons. That means that some of y'all, he didn't skip over some of y'all because you don't dress right or you don't have the right job or you're not as pretty as the next guy or you're prettier than the other guy. The Holy Spirit doesn't care anything about any of those things. He gave a gift to all persons. Each one he is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. It's an intentional pause. Do you know 12 people turn the world upside down? That blows my mind. You know why? Because under the influence of the Holy Spirit, they were able to manifest the presence of God by working within the gifts and the callings that God placed in them. I think whoever's in this room is plenty enough people to turn this community upside down. There's no reason why this number of people shouldn't be able to turn this community upside down. Except that we don't allow ourselves to stay under the influence of the Holy Spirit. We walk it out in our flesh, in our own strength, in our own power, determining that we have the ability to do it. When in fact, let me tell you, and I'm going to tell you as plainly as I can, you don't. But So you've had to be empowered. Empowered first for the common good so that you might be of service in the church. You know why you need to be in service in the church? couple of reasons. One, because in service of the church, it perfects, helps perfect those around you. But primarily because the church is the fellowship that is the practice hall for the life that we live in. If you can't be joyful here, you can't be joyful out there. If you can't be unified in here, you're not going to be unified out there. If you're not going to be long-suffering in here, you're not going to be long-suffering out there. If you can't shake the hand of someone you don't like in here, and you're never going to get it done out there. The Holy Spirit and the influence of the Holy Spirit has been given to us to make God greater, to manifest who He is. And it's time the church started doing that, starting right here. Make a decision today. I am going to set aside my petty difference. I'm going to set aside my disunity. I'm going to set aside my intolerance. I'm going to set aside my age demographic. I'm going to set aside my financial situation. None of those things matter. You know what matters? Demonstrating and and manifesting the presence of God through you to someone else. Because although I am convinced most of the people that come into this church are saved, we're still aware that there are seekers amongst us. And if they can't see the love in you for each other, why would they want the love you have? Mm, that's good right there. Come on, Pastor Jim. All right. So we've been empowered to service for the body, but also by the Spirit empowered to be witnesses. That is exactly what I was saying, to move from here to there. In case you didn't know this, Luke wrote Luke and the book of Acts. And so the end of Luke is the beginning of Acts. That's why it appears there's a little overlap. As Jesus is talking to the disciples right before he ascends, that's the reason, because he, it's, it's one original writing broken in half. 
One's the history of the church, one's a gospel. But anyway, so I'm saying that for this reason. Because in Luke's, the end of Luke's, we see 2449. Jesus says, And behold, I am sending forth the promise of my Father upon you. But you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. What are you supposed to be clothed with? Power from on high. Do you know why he wanted them to stay in the city? Because unless they had the power of the Holy Spirit in them, unless they were able to do that and carry the Spirit of God in them, they had no chance of manifesting the presence of God through them. And so he says, you wait. Because I've given you a promise. The Father has given you a promise. It's better that I go away so that I can send the Holy Spirit to you, the advocate to you, the comforter to you. And then in the book of Acts at the beginning, because I told you the end of Luke is actually the beginning of Acts. There's a bunch of other stuff I could say about that, but I'm preaching, not teaching today. 1, 7 through 8 says, It is not for you to know the times or epochs which the Father has fixed in his own authority because he had been asked about establishing the kingdom of God. He said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses. What have you been given empowered? What have you been empowered to do? Be witnesses. You know you can't be witnesses with your mouth if you're not first witnesses with your life. People will hear 10% of what you say and listen to 90% of what you do. You can't out-preach your lifestyle. But he says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem, that is locally, Judea, Samaria, which is to say regionally, and to the ends of the earth, remote ends of the earth, which is to say internationally. Our scope, the influence we've been given, is to reach all people for the glory of God so that God, because we are influenced by the Holy Spirit, may be manifested, put on display for others to see. You want to know why we support Gideon's International? Because they are our and to the remotest parts of the earth ministry. They're placing Bibles in the hands of people most of us will never see so that God's glory may be manifested. That's good. Mm. By the Spirit, we are empowered to work in the miraculous. So we're empowered to work in here. We're empowered to work out here, out there. And we're empowered to work in the miraculous. Now, I know, non-denominational church, we got church Christ folk in here. We got some Catholic folk in here. We got some Baptist folk in here. But I'm hoping we're all Bible folk. And I'm hoping that you understand that every word written in the Word of God is absolutely true. We are not cessationists. I need you to know, if you're new to this, this, this congregation, we're not cessationists. We don't believe that the gifts of the Spirit ceased in any form or fashion when the apostles died. Mainly because I can't find it anywhere in Scripture. But let me explain. Let me just use some common sense logic or what I think is common sense logic, and I'm Polish, so I mean, you grade that however you will. This book been around a long time. Amen? New Testament, about 2,000 years. The apostles wrote what it was to, to walk and work in the miraculous. If those things ceased after they died, 
Why would they have bothered to write them down? Why would the Holy Spirit have bothered to write them down? But the fact of the matter is the Holy Spirit did inspire the Word of God. It is God-breathed. It was written down. And there's no place to deny the fact that they still exist. So we should still believe that they still exist, that the miraculous power of God still exists, that we've been placed and given the influence of the Holy Spirit to manifest the presence of God in miracle-working power. We have that ability. Now, it's not our strength. It's not our ability. We don't even determine who gets the miracle, but we better be the conduit ready to, to, to be available to help pray over the person that God intends to get the miracle, that we be available to God so that the miraculous happen. We should be under the influence of the Holy Spirit so that we know when God wants to use us. Because if we know when God wants to use us, we'll manifest him the way that we should to a lost and dying world. You see it throughout Scripture. Samson, empowered by the Spirit. Resurrection of Christ, empowered by the Spirit. These are miraculous things. Jesus Christ was dead for three days. And the power of the Holy Spirit raised him from the dead. If you're dealing with sickness, let me tell you, I still believe in the miraculous. And when we ask the Holy Spirit to work a miraculous thing in you, I'm not asking him to raise you from the dead after three days. And he's already proven in his word that he'll do that. So whatever it is you're dealing with is less than that. So we can have faith to believe that he'll do that. Because we still are empowered to work in the miraculous. The cripple at the gate beautiful, the lepers, all of it for one purpose, to glorify God. Everything that we do is for one purpose, to glorify God. Which means that anytime we do anything, we should always push it back to God. We should always say, no, but God. No, God. I get text messages from time to time that say, Pastor, you did a good job on the teaching today, blah, blah, blah. Was, my heart was moved or whatever. I get some ugly text messages too, but I don't like to talk about those. I just like to talk about the good ones. And, uh, and no matter how beautifully they're written, no matter how, how glad I am that that person was able to receive, almost always my response is something along the lines of, God is so good and I am glad you were blessed. You know why? Because it ain't about me. The second I think it's about me, I'm going to be removed from here and it's not going to make any difference anyway. There's a consequence. There's an expected response when God works through us and a consequence when it doesn't. And, and actually, in the Bible, it says this, Acts 10, 25 through 26, Peter, when, when Peter entered Cornelius' house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet and worshiped him. So Cornelius fell at the feet of Peter and started worshiping him as though he was God. Peter raised him up saying, stand up. I too am just a man. He understood his place. We have to understand our place. We are through not to agents of God. Do you all understand what I mean by that? We work people through us to get to God, not to us, because we're not God. And when we don't do that, this is the consequence. King Herod. In Acts 12, 23, the people kept crying out to him, the voice of a God and not of a man. So they were praising him and glorifying him as God. And immediately, and he didn't stop it. And immediately an angel of the Lord struck him because he did not give glory to God. And he was eaten by worms and died. God use you? Just know that God used you. And give God the glory for using you. Remember, our responsibility is to live under the influence of the Holy Spirit 
to bring the manifest presence of God, the display of God to the people. Amen? And then finally, being under the influence brings revelation. The greatest revelation we are given by the Holy Spirit is Jesus Christ. I'll tell you how you can judge whether a church is a church or a social entity. Count the number of times you hear the name Jesus in a service. The Holy Spirit empowers the work of the church. If the Holy Spirit empowers the work of the church and the Holy Spirit's purpose is to glorify the name of Jesus, then I'll tell you, if you're not hearing the name of Jesus being glorified in a church, the Holy Spirit isn't working there. The Holy Spirit exists in us to glorify the name of Jesus, to make Jesus bigger to the people around us. We technically can't make him bigger, but you get the idea. My hope, my desire is that we as a congregation come to a realization that it's our responsibility to constantly live under the influence of the Holy Spirit so that the manifest presence of God might be seen through us. How do we do that? I'll give you two quick ways to do that, and they're super easy. One, pull the testimony out of your mouth and tell it to somebody. Everybody in here was saved because somebody told you something. I was saved under my pastor's testimony. I've never heard the man give his testimony that he didn't cry because he's ashamed of who he was. Because what he did was a horrible thing. But you know why he still tells it? Because nothing's more powerful than a listen, man. I know you're dealing with stuff. But let me tell you what God walked me through. Let me tell you what God got me through. Amen? That's, that's the stuff. How many of us would be able to overcome what we're dealing with if we knew, because they weren't scared to tell us, that so many people in the same room were dealing with the same stuff. We keep our secret sins hidden because we think we're the only one dealing with them. You're not. Share the testimony of God to the people around you and glorify the name of Jesus. The most significant way we glorify the name of Jesus is by giving them the power of the God for the gospel power of God for salvation, which is the gospel. We have to tell people that there's a better way to live than how they're living. I'm going to make this very easy on you. If you haven't written this down before, I would ask that you do it because the, the gospel gets so convoluted. We get so messed up or we for, we, we're afraid I'm never going to get this right. I'm going to mess it up or, or, or we don't tell the whole gospel. I'm going to give you three verses. If you can remember these three verses, you could tell the gospel message to anybody. And here they are, Romans 3.23. For all have fallen short, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's nothing special about you, but that Christ lives in you. All of us were sinners. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God, but praise God. John 3.16 says Jesus was the solution to that problem. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. 
So I have this problem that I can't do anything about. I was born into sin. Not just born into sin, but learned how to sin pretty quickly. So I'm sinful both by birth and by action. But Jesus Christ, because I was previously judged, came so that I wouldn't be judged. So I had a problem. There's a solution to my problem. The only question that I have is how do I acquire that solution? And this is how you acquire that solution according to Romans 10.9. Declare with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. Believing in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you shall be saved. Isn't that beautiful? Now that's, just, that's not just some flippant out of your mouth. That's saying Jesus Christ is Lord, which means I no longer have right to my own anything. Jesus is Lord. My own mouth, my own heart, my own steps, my own actions. I'm giving it all to you. And I'm believing that God raised Jesus from the dead. And because I've made Jesus Christ Lord, that I too will never taste the sting of death. And in fact, if you're saved, you won't. It's beautiful, isn't it, Mama? That's what I want for the church. I want the church to be a place, when I say the church, I mean each of you individually, to be under the influence of the Holy Spirit every moment of every day so that the manifest presence of God can be seen in you. People should search us out in times like we live in because the world's going to hell. Did y'all know that? I mean, and I'm not even trying to be funny. Like, everything is upside down. People are crazy. You go to the gas station. Some of you guys, there's, we're not promised tomorrow. The world is crazy. People need Jesus. We should be the manifest presence of God to them so that they might be the manifest presence of God to someone else. And that's only possible as we're under the influence, led by the Holy Spirit. That's my prayer today.